Father, again, we thank you. We thank you for all things we would like to. We thank you for the love that you have shown us. We thank you for your patience, God. That even when we acted like children, knowing your will full well, yet we turn away from you. And in the midst of that, Lord God, you show so much patience, so much kindness towards us. You keep beckoning us to come, to come to you. We thank you. Now, Father, as we enter into your word, we ask you that you would strengthen us all. We ask you that you would help us to be courageous again to receive your full word and not shrink back. So we love you today. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock, our rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the one subject of all subjects that you hate to hear about in church? Well, there could be many, especially when it's concerning your sin. Amen? When that word is pointing at your sin, you ain't trying to hear that. But Outside of that, it's the one thing you don't want to hear talking about in church. It's money. I would have you to come and throw all your offerings down here uh, before the altar, but I would not do that. I would offer you some type of manipulation or some type of indulgence that if you give me this, that God is going to give you that. I would do that. But I'm not sure if that would be right before God or that would be true to God's word because God does not manipulate anyone. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're almost there, right? We're almost there. Verse 15, where we're going to dive into this topic of finances in the body of Christ. Again, as always, I offer absolutely no apology for the Word of God, because God's Word, it speaks for itself, especially when we're faithful in expositing it. Verse 15, Paul says, and you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Believers should be actively involved in giving. I'll say that again. Believers, 
If you are a believer, you should be actively involved. We should be actively involved in giving. Can you say amen? Now, as I've always told you now, uh, the other side is that we can always come on Fridays and Saturdays and sell chicken and fish dinners. Amen? All right? I remember doing that as a child, as I explained many times before. We can always do that. But I think at the very heart of who we are as disciples of Christ, that uh, that does not ring true. And I say that uh, because I believe, you know my philosophy, and that is that the ministry itself should take care of its needs. Amen? It is. So, you believer, me believer, we all should be actively involved in giving in the church. So you should be aware, as a disciple of Christ, of this spiritual involvement. Verse 15 here, at the very beginning of this verse, Paul, he emphasized the work of the Philippians. What are you talking about? He says here very clearly, verse 15, and you, Philippians, yourselves, right? Uh, that tells us right there. Was it necessary for Paul to say, you, Philippians, yourselves? Right? Uh, no. All he had to say was, and you know that in the beginning. Right? Amen? So the question is, why did Paul say, and you, Philippians, yourselves? Right? Why did he say that? Because he was trying to emphasize something. He mentions them three times. Uh, you recall that uh, we all are aware uh, that uh, when this happens in our household as children, uh, for instance, if, if you are a little girl and, and your mom and your dad always call you sweetie, hey, sweetie, come here. Hey, sweetie, come here. But then uh, one day uh, your uh, mother, your father, they said, uh, Laquita Ann Johnson. Come here. All right? Uh, so when they call you by your proper name, amen, and then when they call you by your first name, and then they add your middle name, and then add your last name, like your mother and father don't know what your middle or your last name is. Right? Laquita and Johnson, if you don't get in here, when they call you by your proper name, you know that they're trying to make a certain emphasis. Paul says, and you, Philippians, yourselves, right? So he wanted uh, to gain their undivided attention. Because Paul says that I'm about to drop some truth into your hearing. Uh, he wanted to make sure uh, that they were paying attention to what he was getting ready to talk about. Okay, Laquita and Johnson, you uh, Philippians yourselves, uh, look here. You need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. These believers here at Philippi, that they stood out in their willingness to support the mission, the mission of the gospel. The Philippian church, Paul says that 
Uh, they were alone in their financial partnership with Paul, the vision of Christ. Why? Because Paul says, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So notice this, again, how he introduces that subject, you, Philippians, yourselves, right? No one else. Pay attention to this. Look carefully, brothers and sisters. He said, no church, no church, no church, no church. You know, he could have said that, uh, you know, you uh, entered in this time of partnership and giving and receiving uh, with me, and then there were no other church. But he starts off by saying, no church entered into this time of worship. And then he says, uh, except for you. So recall what Paul said back in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, recall this. Uh, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So remember what I said last time, uh, that, that Paul was trying to be diplomatic, right? You had no opportunity, right? I know that you wanted to give, uh, but I know you wanted to show concern, but you just didn't have an opportunity to do so. So now he says that uh, the Philippians themselves, that they did have the opportunity and that they did give. So sometimes people say that, you know what, if a church is falling apart, uh, the church is falling apart because uh, they're just not being faithful. Uh, maybe uh, the church, there's something wrong with the church. That's why people are not giving. And I tell you, I submit to you, that there is an issue with the church, and that is uh, that the members, that the, bodies, uh, the body of Christ itself, that something is wrong with their faith. They are correct because God uses people. God uses me. God uses you uh, to provide financial support, and when the people of the church, uh, they don't support the ministry, they are not being faithful. Amen? All right. I know some of you don't want to hear this, but thus says the word of the Lord. So in uh, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, verse Nine. The word of God says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to, into Macedonia, concluding, right, here it is, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul was saying that the reason that he had gone to Macedonia was for what reason? 
because God had called him to do what? Come on, you know. All right, so who called Paul to Macedonia to preach the gospel? Who told Paul to go? I can't hear you. Right, one more time. Who called Paul to go into Macedonia? Scripture says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So if God owns everything, if everything on the earth belongs to God, then surely God would provide, provide for Paul, right? Do you, do you believe that? So if God says you go, right, your boss sends you on a trip to uh, uh, Los Angeles, right? But they tell you, oh, but you got to pay your own way. You got to pay to get there. Oh, you had to pay for your own hotel. Oh, and you got to pay for your own food. And we'll see you when you get back. See, if your boss sends you out on the trip, you expect your boss to do what? Pay for all your expenses. So if God, who owns everything, right, the coals are on our back, if God owns everything and he calls Paul, you know, God is Paul's boss. Amen. Uh, so if, if God calls uh, Paul to go to Macedonia, then our expectation is that God will provide all the, the needs, all for all the needs and everything that Paul needs there. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'll try it one more time. Do you believe that? Yes. Say amen. amen. Louder? Amen. Louder? Amen. Are you sure? So it's important to read this passage here in Acts 16, 9, and 10. Because Paul initially said that, he says when he left here in Philippians 4, 15, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. So Macedonia was not a city. Macedonia would be like a county, like Cook County. So it's like Paul would say, that no church in Cook County provided for my needs. Then you start thinking, well, how many churches are there in Cook County? There's a lot. So you think of all the churches that would be in Cook County, not a one provided any help, a financial assistance for Paul. There's something wrong. Amen? There's something wrong with the mindset of the believer who thinks that they can get away with not responding to what God has already done in their heart. Can you say amen? One thing I love about uh, preaching and giving the way that we do is that I don't preach first and then we give after. I've seen churches that they've changed when, when it was time for the pastor to preach on a message such like this, they would change the time in which they would give the offering until after the message was over. But I'm not going to do that, amen? <laughs> or maybe, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Because that would be surely manipulation. Because I, we should be convinced by what God says and, and to respond to him if we believe what thus says the Lord is true. So you never know what people are thinking when they decide to support or not to support the ministry. And for some of you, I thank God for your faithful support to ministry. That is because of you that this ministry has been sustained. Can you say amen? 
It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do in ministry. It's because of your faithfulness. And for you, I thank God for you. So now, the individual who comes to Christ is the same person who now becomes the conduit for God to provide for the ministry. So remember earlier we said that it was God who called Paul into Macedonia. Amen. And we said if your boss calls you to go somewhere else, that the expectation is that your boss will provide for all your needs once you get in there and also get in there. Amen? So it is God who provides for the ministry through the people who are being ministered to. So guess what? We are the conduits for the ministry. So God is at work. The question is, is God working through you? Right? That's the question. Uh, that is uh, the one consideration that we must bring to ourselves. Is God working through me? And then here's the question, faithfully. Amen? Faithfully. You know, someone once told me, this was many, many years ago, they said, I don't believe that ministers should make over a bare minimum amount because it keeps them humble. And I thought to myself, I wonder how you would respond to your boss if he said, I'm only going to give you the minimum wage because I just want to keep you humble. See? How would we respond then uh, to those when it's time for a raise? Your, your boss said, no, you know, you're doing a good job, but you know what? You still need to remain humble. What would you do? You'd probably get up and leave and go to another job, would you not? Right. Most people would. In most cases, we would love to receive more than minimum wage uh, our boss would say, uh, just be content with what you have. But the Lord is not asking us to give up everything that we have for the gospel. But yet someone may think that it is everything. One thing I have discovered is that everyone has an opinion about money. Amen? You may not have an opinion about eschatology. Amen? As we're learning in Wednesday nights, uh, Post-millennialism, ah, millennialism, pre-millennialism or dispensationalism. You may not care about that. Uh, you may not even care about what exactly all the fruit of the Spirit is, amen? You may not care about how much love is shown within the body of Christ, but Lord, mention money. Wait a minute now, he's meddling now. He's not being spiritual. Well, no, money is a spiritual thing to those who are spiritual. Are you spiritual? So everyone has an opinion about money, even kids. So this is the reason why it isn't talked about much in some churches. And it's also a reason why it's talked about too much in other churches. Money has a grip 
on our souls. And guess what? It's not supposed to be that way. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. You know this one. Oh, I know you know this one. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So notice, and some of you have been around me long enough in my teaching to already understand this, but if you haven't, here it is. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Amen? So the root of all kinds of evil is not the money itself, but it is the heart behind the money. Uh, did you see what the passage said? Right? It says that the love, it is the heart, it is the emotions behind the money and our attachment to it that is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, most of the time, think about it. Why do you think people get robbed? Why do you think people get burglarized? Why do you think uh, many folks in, in certain positions do what they do? Oftentimes, it's because of what? It's because of money. Uh, oftentimes, you can just trace it back uh, to a politician, uh, trace it back to a preacher, uh, trace it back to a police officer, uh, trace it back to a teacher, right? You can trace it back uh, recently even to uh, medical doctors now because they're trying to figure out how can I make more money? So in other words, your good or bad relationship to money finds its roots not in our bills, not in our coins, and not in our credits, but in our hearts. Money, finances are neutral. It is neither good nor bad. It is your intentions that determine its goodness or badness. This is why the same $50 bill that's stolen, stolen in a robbery can be used to buy dinner for two of your good friends. This is why some can, can take money that they've won in a lottery and then transform it and bring it to the church. Amen? Because now their intentions are good. Yet, they don't see the incongruity uh, between what Scripture says and taking their money and trying to win something that they didn't deserve. So, man, you're talking about all of us? All of this? Yes. Money is amoral, yet its morality is determined by your heart. Now, Hearing a message about our finances can elicit all kinds of fears based on where we are financially. I would love to give it to the church, but, right? I would love uh, to do this, but. And then the moment God blesses us and we come from up out of water, first thing we say, you know what? I need to take this money, go on a vacation. Amen. And then we come back. Yeah, I would love to bless the church, but again, if the average person only took what their employers thought they should have, most people couldn't afford to go to work. If you only took what your employer really wanted to give you, you probably couldn't afford the train ticket or the gas or the car note in order to get to work in the first place. 
Therefore, our views of financial and finances, uh, they are deeply rooted in sin. Most of us have learned our lessons about money before we were saved. Therefore, our view of money is spiritually deficient and lacks understanding. Amen? So we were created for a purpose larger than what we can imagine. So when we come to Christ, we are to live out the purpose of Christ. Paul told believers that all kind of people, uh, he was in contact during his journey, only uh, they were... Uh, only they were living out their purposes, right? In other words, he helped them. He helped the people of Macedonia. It wasn't just the church of Philippi. It was many other churches that were there that Paul helped out. Look in the back of your Bible. Look at the map and see all the churches that are in Macedonia. But the good thing is that Paul, he wanted them to come to the spiritual understanding. Do you live out your purpose? Are you living out your purpose in giving? The good thing is that there are individuals within the body of Christ who get it. There, there, there are some, they really understand. But is it right or fair for only for a handful of people to live out that understanding while everyone else sits on the, out, on the sidelines? Now don't misunderstand me. It's wonderful that you actively serve in ministry, Amen. It's wonderful that you are part of the body of Christ. It's wonderful that you demonstrate true concern and care for other believers. But telling someone you love them without uh, helping them out of the gutter isn't love on display. James says in James chapter 2, verse 14. Beginning there it says, What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead. Face it. If you don't support the ministry, you demonstrate a dead faith. Remember, I didn't say that. It's what the Word of God says. Brothers and sisters, faith goes deeper than flapping of the gums and the pronouncements that you belong to this church or that church? How have you demonstrated a faith that supports those in ministry or the rent or other bills necessary for a properly functioning body of Christ as the word of God is being applied to your life? How have you demonstrated faith? Do you believe that God will provide for all of your needs? Our heart reveals our attitude about money. Philippians 4.17. Paul says, not, uh, he wanted the Philippians to know uh, that, not that I seek the gift. In other words, I'm not, I'm not after your money. Right? 
Paul says, I'm not after your money. He says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So in other words, as you learn and as you grow in the body of Christ, that you are going to demonstrate fruit in your life. And Paul says he is looking for the fruit in the life of the believer. What kind of fruit are you demonstrating? Well, I, I have the fruit of the Spirit. I have the fruit of, 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 of uh, administration. Or I have the fruit of teaching. Or I have the fruit of this. But I believe that there is many other fruit other than those. Amen? Can you say amen? There's other fruit as well. Right? So what is dredged up in your heart when you hear about money? <laughs> now this is phrased in this manner because of the blatant degree of manipulation that we have heard in the church over and over and over again and that we've seen. You may have seen uh, things happen and, and peddle in the church like uh, you want to buy some holy water or uh, here's a cloth that I have I'll send to you for $20.20, and because this is 2020, no, $20.19, $20.19, because it's 2020. But I want you to know that a whole team of us, that we sat on it, and we blessed, we laid our hands on it, and we sprinkled oil on it. So when you get it, you just believe God. And, 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 and the $20.19, or the $2,019 that you sent us, because it's 2019, that it's going to blow up, and, 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 and God is going to bless you. That's a tit-for-tat ministry. Or here's one of my favorites. Uh, we're going to have our offering today. And I'm going to start us off by holding a $100 bill in my hand. Everybody that wanted to get $100 with me, please stand to your feet. Oh, I see you over there, sister so-and-so. Oh, I see you over here, brother so-and-so. Stand to your feet and wave that $100 in the air. All right, come on down. Oh, God is going to bless you. All right, I know some of you couldn't give $100. I want you to reach in your pocket and pull out 50 Raise that 50 in the air. In other words, that is a level of manipulation because it's trying to get you to give through shame. Stand up. Because if I ask you to stand up because you want to give whatever you want to give, or the rest of you all sitting down, you're like, oh, Lord, I hope you ain't looking at me. Right? It's pure manipulation. So in other words, what we're doing here, you know, it, it is the spirit of God that's working in us so we can be free. Right? But as the spirit of God works in us to be free, we must also be obedient to God's word as well. Can you say amen? amen. All right? It's just the way it is. But our fear is that as we hear the preacher say, this is what the Lord told me, is that uh, we think that if we are not obedient, that we are rebelling against God. And the reason that we are afraid is because we don't know what God's word says in the first place. So therefore, we can't stand up uh, to uh, when, when we hear heresy, when we hear a lie. We don't know what God, God's word says, so we are afraid to make a stance. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's a, I'm free in the Lord. Don't y'all want to dance with me in the church? Huh? Don't you want to dance? 
I tell you, I, I feel as light as a butterfly. Amen. I'm, you know, thank you all for allowing me to minister the way I minister. Amen. Thank you all so much, you know, because I don't have the burden of all that mess all intertwined all in me. I can just say what I need to say and keep on stepping. Amen? Thank you guys so much because you allow me to do that. So all these uh, people who are saying this, are they really hearing from the Lord or are they playing games in order to squeeze as much money out of you as possible? This is why we must return to God's word to figure out fact from fiction, truth from lies, encouragement from manipulation. When Paul says not that I seek the gift, he informed them he was not desiring the gift from the Philippians uh, to the point of doing whatever he needed to do to pry it out of their hands. Paul wanted them to make sure that they understood full well that God provided everything that he needed. Huh? See, there it is. Now, kind of come back around the circle. So, God called Paul to Macedonia. Amen? Right? And if your boss calls you somewhere, he provides for you. Can you say amen? Paul gets to Macedonia. Many people are saved. So now, God uses the church in Macedonia, the church of Philippi, the church here, the church there, all the churches in that county in order to provide for his, his needs, right? So therefore, as his needs are being provided, Paul, is, he's thankful for the Philippians, but he says that it is God who's providing for his needs. But you said, wait a minute, I'm giving this to you. Yes, but it is God who's providing for the needs because God is using the Philippian believers in order to bless Paul through. He's thankful for the Philippians, but he's more thankful for, uh, to God because without God, the Philippians would never give in the first place. You see? That's the way it works. Now, some may say that this may sound a bit disingenuous, but Paul speaks from the heart. And this is why it's always a delicate issue when addressing finances within the body of Christ. There's always much suspicion around money, right? We either get it, we don't have it, or trying to figure out how much more we can get. But how many of you will stop paying taxes when you discover an alderman or some public official is corrupt and using your money the wrong way? How many of you refuse to allow one more dime to be subtracted by the government for Social Security, Medicaid, federal taxes when person after person squanders your hard-earned money on things like a furniture styles from Downton Abbey or football game tickets for their friends. Even if you disagree and can't do anything about it, do you ever protest it by sending a quick email stating your disgust? No. Even when you hear it, you let them take that money out, don't you? Even when you hear it, you say, as a matter of fact, they get their money before you get your own money. They get your money before you get your money. Right? You, get your, you get your check, and guess what? Remember I, I used to ask that question. I was a freshman uh, or sophomore in high school. I got my first real check, right? 
I'm like, what the heck is FICA? I don't understand. What is that? And look at all that money that's coming out. I'm like, and I go, who is this? I went to the people who issued the check. Who is this? I'm like, that's the federal government. I'm like, man, but wait a minute. It's like, they're like, what you going to do? What you going to do? But here in the body of Christ, where it is making impact, eternal impact, uh, forever and ever, we decide to withhold. We are impacting people all the way through eternity. In fact, listen to this. That much of we, what we do here today will last long after we're gone. You speak of the internet, because you know stuff that gets out on the internet is there forever. Don't let anybody ever fool you that you put stuff, oh, I erase it everywhere. Lies, all lies. Once you put it out there, it will remain out there until somebody wants to go out there and find it, or they know how to get it. So, uh, the things that we're doing, it lasts into eternity. We never know, listen to this, listen to this. We never know that 100 years from today, what a message that someone has made here that may change their lives forever. 100 years from today. Now, what kind of return on investment is that? 100 years, I mean, all of us are going to, unless the Lord returns first, Right? None of us are going to be here. None of us. None of us in this room. Well, maybe God will give you the, the life of Methuselah or something like that. But for all practical purposes, none of us will be here. But the work that we have done for this ministry will continue to impact generation after generation after generation. Think about it. We are the result of the faithfulness of Paul. Yes, we are. We are the result of the faithfulness of Peter. We are the result of the faithfulness of James. Straight down the line. So how are we understanding this and how we are partnering within the body of Christ? Paul says, I'm not after your gift. I'm not after your money because it's God who's providing me for everything that I have. Well, if God provides everything that you have, then I'm not going to give you it. Okay, go ahead. Well, he's your God too, and God wants to use you. And if you don't let God use you, you refuse to allow God to use you, then that's between you and God. God will deal with you. I'm going on with my life. Bye. Paul was not willing to do whatever is necessary in order to get a gift. He wasn't playing fish dinner games. So the Lord will be pleased when you and I consistently produce fruit for his glory. Bringing fruit is a constant process because whenever a tree stops producing fruit, then you know there's something wrong with it. So if you're not giving, guess what? Something wrong with you. Right? Because all of us should be giving within the body of Christ. If you're not giving within the body of Christ, if you're not producing the fruit of giving within the body of Christ, Scripture says there's something wrong with you. 
because, you know, if you have an apple tree, you get no apple year after year. You have to figure out. You have to put fertilizer. You have to do this. If something is wrong somewhere, right? It's too hot. It's too cold. doesn't have this. doesn't have that. What kind of soil? There's something wrong with my, with my, it's not producing fruit. There's something wrong. So if you're not producing this fruit and everyone should be a part of this partnership within the gospel, then there's something wrong with the heart, right? Something wrong with my heart. Whatever the case, action needs to be taken. The tree, the bush, the believer, to resume making fruits. So how does the Lord view your faithful support? Verse 18, Philippians chapter 4. I have received full payment and more, Paul says. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Remember we talked about him earlier because he wasn't sure if he was going to live. Talk about encouragement and things that bring you down. Epaphroditus, but obviously uh, Epaphroditus, he was okay. So he sent, he received a gift from Epaphroditus that you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to the Lord, to God. In Christ, we get exactly what we need. And Paul, he received full payment. In fact, uh, a clear translation sh uh, should be that he received everything in full. While the word full payment is a more accurate translation, that leaves us with the impression that Paul, he ministered in order to get paid. And that simply was not the case. So the understanding of the way that Paul uses the phrase is that he received everything in full. So our passage here, it lists two benefits for those who give according to the spirit from the heart. Two benefits. Here's the first one. Is that your giving becomes a fragrant offering. Your giving becomes a fragrant offering when it's given from the heart. In this category, there are two types of offerings that you can give. One that is acceptable and one that is not acceptable. So, uh, which is why that it's not important uh, for us to take an offering after this message is because I don't want you to feel manipulated because if you end up giving something uh, that's not from your heart, guess what? God doesn't want it. You'll use it, but God doesn't want it. You don't feel right about giving, and it's almost like it's cursed. See what I'm saying? It almost feels that way. But when you give, your offering is either acceptable or unacceptable. An offering that is acceptable is one given with the goal of partnering uh, in the gospel, meeting needs and having uh, given with a cheerful heart. When all of that is in place, when all that is met, is acceptable, acceptable to God. And then when God smells your offering, he says, boy, that smells good. You ever walk past anyone that puts on a fragrance that smells real good. My wife, she does that. She walks past me like, hmm, smell good. When you give an offering with the right heart, that's what God does. He says, boy, that smells good. When you give 
offering from a wrong heart, God says, boy, that stank. When an offering is unacceptable, it is given because you don't want to be embarrassed or you want to look good or you feel like someone is forcing you to give. When an offer is given with the right heart, then it smells like the best smell you have ever smelled in your life. And this is the way God smells it. What fragrance did you like the best? Remember the old musk that people used to wear back in, back in the day? Which one is the most memorable? I don't know why I thought of that one out of all of them. When your offering comes correct to the Lord, then it smells good and he remembers. Well, that was the first benefit. The second benefit is for those who give according to the spirit, God sees it as a sacrifice. Again, that is acceptable and pleasing, right? And he, he doesn't want any one-eyed offering either. God doesn't want any one-legged offering either. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3. Leviticus chapter 1. See, even in the Old Testament, uh, God says, when you give, when you give rightly, he says that don't give me your garbage. Like, you know, how some of you do when it's time. Uh, I'm not sure if you do it. Uh, we do it at our house when AmVets or some of the other people are looking for donations. And you're like, okay, let's see. What's the worst thing I got in my closet that I can give away? Right? Oh, I got a hole in it. Oh, they don't mind. Maybe they don't, but why would you give something with holes in it? Go out and, you know, give, give them something really, really nice, right? God says he doesn't want your throwaways, the stuff that you really don't want. God says he doesn't want it either, right? Leviticus 1 verse 3. If his offering is a burnt offering from the Lord, he shall offer a male without blemish. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So... God didn't want a cow or a bull that had bumps all over. God did not want a bull or anything of that nature that had one horn. He didn't want your cow, you bring your cow to the temple and your cow limping like this. God doesn't want that. Because you, you really don't want That's why you're getting rid of it in the first place. Right? Because you really don't want it anyway. God does not want a blind cow either. What does God want? Try it again. What does God want? He wants our And see, our best is the hardest thing to give, isn't it? The first and the best is the hardest thing to give. Look at that Leviticus chapter 1, verse 10. Here it is again. It's all over the place, but look at this one. Now, if his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock or you know, a bird or, or a sheep, from the sheep or a goat, sorry about that, he shall be a male without what? God doesn't want our worst. Give it to your friend. He wants our best. Giving our best and from a right heart is acceptable to God. So God uses the Philippians to carefully focus on plenty of concerns for the Christian. And our financial support is no different, and neither do I offer my apologies. But for those of you who are faithful, I say congratulations. Bless you. 
Then to those who have not rightfully entered into partnership, I would encourage you to get your heart right before God. Guess what? The more you are faithful, the more God will be faithful to you. God will bless. I'm not, no, I am not saying you give five, God going to give you ten. Right? I'm not saying that. Right? But what I'm saying is that God will bless you. He, he, he may simply bless you by giving you more favor on your job. Who knows? Maybe he will bless you by giving you that parking space that you need. It's a parking place. Yeah, because you need to go to court. And if you're late for court, you're going to end up paying $10,000. Right? Maybe he will bless you that way. But maybe he will just simply bless you with peace of mind. What you want? You want more money? You want peace? Do, do you want a million dollars or do you want do you, do you want a million dollars with all the mess and all the fights and people after you trying to kill you to get your money? Or do you, would you rather have the peace? I don't know about you. I don't, I don't want it. I want the peace instead. That's what I want. I want the peace. Yeah, Lord, if you decide to bless me financially, okay, yeah. But I still want the peace. Amen? Jesus Christ if you don't give, he's not going to disown you. Not to say that. You're not going to hell. But he does question what kind of heart you have. So ask yourself this question. When you give, is it acceptable to God? Is your giving acceptable to God? Let's pray. Father, you know there's much to say. <laughs>